0: Welcome back to the Talking Wolves podcast. We've got a brand new episode today, action-packed, lots of drama uh, has gone on over the last week concerning Wolves. Uh, Unfortunately, no, Matt today has just had a minor surgery, but I'm sure he'll be all right. My name is Dave, and alongside me today, we've got Mr Finn Morris. Finn, how are you keeping?
1: Uh, Wasn't offside, mate. Let's cut all this rubbish. Uh, No, no, (laughs) no, I'm, I'm all right. Thank you. Yeah, how are you?
0: All good. Yeah, all good. And we've got Mr George Russell. George, how are you? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, all good. I know you two boys made the trip to Anfield and a long, long journey back. And unfortunately it wasn't well, it was a good performance, but it wasn't quite worth it, was it? The the long journey back. But I'm sure we'll talk uh, talk a little bit more about it. But yeah, we've got lots to talk uh, about. Obviously, we've had the Villa and Liverpool game in the last week or so. We've got another two games coming up this week with Forest and West Town. Obviously, got your questions at the end as well. Uh but Villa Wolves. Uh, a game which, you know, Villa have had a little upturning form uh, under Unai Emery. Wolves started to find their feet a little bit jawed under Lopetegui. But it was unchanged uh, from that United game. Were you surprised at that? You know, we had Cunha ready, you know, who came off uh, You know, came off the bench for a little bit during that game. But do you think he deserved a start in that match?
2: Um, it's one of those things. I think on the podcast last week, I said I thought Costa would probably start again and ruffle up a few feathers and get Cunha, give Cunha the last half hour. And that's sort of how varied... it thought about it And I think um, you know, there's there's a lot of people on social media moaning about the team side the lineup the selection before the game and looking at it. And I looked at it in myself and thought it probably wouldn't be the eleven I'd pick, but you know, Locktage works with them day in, day out. And I think that first half performance shows you got it bang on the money, to be fair. We should have been well out of sight. And it's uh, you know, you look at you look at the chances we missed in that first half, we should have come away from Villa Park with three points.
0: Yeah, definitely. We've seen it so often, I think, over the last, not just, just this season, but in the new, you know, we saw it a lot where we almost berate the the team selection that they put out and it tends to actually mean that we put in a half decent performance. But like George said, Finn, first 45 minutes, I've seen some people say it's one of our best performances in sort of 12 to 18 months. What do you, what did you make of that, in the first half?
1: It was certainly probably the best, yeah, 45 all season. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think I, I saw you around the time the teams came out didn't I? at Villa Park, and we were we were fearing the worst. Um, so yeah, real real big surprise. I think with the with that attacking lineup, with not not including Costa in this, but certainly the wingers, I think he's almost splitting the game up into sections. Right, let's almost Nuno-ish. Let's figure out this first half. So Huang for maybe he's not as good or exciting as Adama or ever. He, he presses very well and he's very intelligent in how he moves. I noticed especially in the Everton game where he didn't play too well, but. How he moved around, I was very impressed with, and just very intelligent with it. So whether that's going to be uh, the starting team where it's sort of right, let's get, have these three as a, a starting forty-five minutes and then go from there. Um, but Pudence did more more than just move around. Well, scored a brilliant goal, and yeah, probably was a was the best forty-five we've seen, certainly under Laportege and probably the whole season.
0: Yeah, yeah, and the first half, you know, the the goal was coming, Jordan, and like Finn said, Pudence, who seems to be a favourite for Lopetegui at the minute. Obviously, he's mm. had a little knock, so he may come back into the team this week. We're not sure yet. Um, but it was a, a brilliant goal. Nice one too with Moutinho and obviously took it really well. A little feint and a, a strike across Martinez. Um, top, top goal. One of the goals of the season so far for Wolves, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, absolutely. It was just well worked, well manufactured. Um, obviously, come back out to and it's just really quick feet. I mean, he sold Douglas Sweets for a hot dog, and then it's a great finish. It was like a finesse finish on FIFA, just right in the side net. In uh, Martinez didn't move, and it was we were well on top at that point in the game. And I think the only thing I can say is, and you know, I think I think if we'd have got in at half time, two three nil up, I don't think any any Villa fans would have been complaining about that mm. first half. I think I think I've i spoke to Villa fans saying they were embarrassing, they were poor, they were this, and actually, you know what? I think. Sometimes he's got a bit like the, team, the other team were just very good and we were very, very good in that first half. As good as anything I've seen. Like The only only time this season I think we played as well as that in 45 minutes was Tottenham away. And again, yeah, we took our chances then. and, you know, could have been two through there. And, you know, we, we ran on and rude those missed chances and lost the game. But, um, yeah, I can't knock that first half performance. And uh, just, just a shame we didn't come away with the three points.
0: Yeah, you know, it's been sort of a gradual improvement. I think even the Everton game under Lopetegui, yes, we won, but there were t- you know some elements of that game where we were a little bit sloppy. United, we were better. Obviously, Villa first half and obviously the Liverpool game as well, which we'll, we'll talk about. Finn, a lot of debate still about Diego Costa, who led the line in that game, didn't play any part in the Liverpool game, so had a little bit of a rest. Um, but, a lot, yeah, a lot of debate about him because obviously he's not producing the goals at the minute, but as a lone striker leading the line... He got a little bit of praise after that Villa game. What what did you make of him?
1: Yeah, following on from that same that same forty five point that it was um a really good first half, you would say the only criticism is that we didn't score another goal, and maybe he leads to that in the the lack of mobility. But everything else, I mean it's I think George said last week what he'll do is he'll kick someone at some point. We'll all go Diego, Diego, and that's sort of his happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he called yeah. it perfectly. So he's gonna do that at the very least. But no, yeah, it wasn't his worst performance. And I think there is a good point there that if you do have him um and fast wingers. It will leave the defence confused. I remember Matt said the point when um, I felt a more mobile strike would be able to get him behind. He was saying, well, maybe that line was up from the opposition team because it's Costa. So you could try and confuse him there with, right, what do we do? Because we've got a guy that can't run, but two wingers that can bomb on and get him behind. So maybe it could form some sort of a plan. But probably was, again, like most of the team, it was one of his, uh, his better performances. He still hasn't scored an official goal, has he? He got one in a friendly. Um, yeah. And he, he is, Which yeah, friendly did he, he score? He's,
2: so
1: was it, him, it? Was it? Oh, oh
0: yeah, that we didn't even see that one, did we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so no. maybe, maybe he never has. <laughs> telling us.
1: <laughs> um, but no, yeah, he's he's really struggles with mobility, and you can see his best days are behind him. But for for his performances, that's probably yeah one of his best.
0: Yeah, and and we saw. Uh, I, I would have been intrigued to see how he got on against Liverpool. To be fair, George, as well, because we played. Almost with a, an, an extra man up top, whether you classed it as a four four two or a four two three one four four one one, whatever you want to say, but walls looked really decent with that extra man forward, and whether it be Guedes, whether it be Cunha, or maybe even Pedeze behind you to give that you a bit more support. I think Costa would have had a really decent effect uh, against Liverpool as well, and in that second half. He was pressing and pressing. He could see in the end he was getting tired. He was lunging in for those tackles. And then after that booking, after we started chanting the I, was worried at one point he was going to get sent <laughs> off as well. Um, but yeah, what what do you think? Four four two ish. You know, similar setup to what we played against Liverpool. I'm sure we'll talk about that shortly. But do you think Costa could work in that system? I know you've not, not been his biggest fan so far.
2: No, it's it's more so the fact of not being his, not 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 being his biggest fan, but. Just that, I just don't think he's ever going to score goals for us well from what I've yeah. seen. But that villa performance, it showed that the one thing you don't lose is like your touch and your physicality. And he was ju- you know, he was like Diego of old. Granted, lost half a yard, like we know, but we knew that when we got him, we were in a desperate situation and yeah, we both needed each other, I think. You know, I think the credit to Diego Costa is he didn't need to be here, he didn't need to be playing football. Like he's probably yeah. made his money, he was in Brazil, he's come over here. Um He's trying his out. Eh? That's what he can one thing he can say. Like I, I don't think I look at him and think you know what he don't care. Like we've had we've had strikers that come at Wolves in the late thirty or mid to late thirty, should I say, and just fucking getting a pay packet. Like he actually looks yeah. like he genuinely cares. You can see it on social media. He looks like a good lad to have around the squad. And I want it to work for him. And you know if he keeps playing like he did against Villa, he's definitely got place in this squad until the end of the season for sure.
0: Yeah, and, and Finn Nathan-Collins as well. Some really seriously improved performances, I think, since Lopetegui's coming as well. Um, Again, another good game for him. I think against Liverpool, but against Villa as well, he was really decent.
1: Yeah, what a week of performances for him. I think I've never really been that too like critical of his defending. There hasn't been too many... Oh, has there? I'm trying to think. Maybe I've wiped them <laughs> out. But, well, the Everton game anyway. It was just his distribution that was poor. He was relatively solid defensively. Um, and he seems to have added that. He's got even better. He's rock solid the last two games, but also hasn't made any ricks with the with the passing. There was a few in that Everton game that were awful. So all round, yeah, I didn't know whether we'd have to even go into a three to sort of rescue the value of a player that we had there because he was looking so shaky in a two. But thankfully, touch wood, the last few games, he's looked really, really solid.
0: Yeah, on the flip side of that, George, second half Wolves. I think it happens naturally, especially when you're desperate for points, started playing a lot deeper. Um, Villa obviously coming on to us a little bit more. We got away with one or two chances. But the goal came from from what I thought it would have been. I don't want to direct the whole blame on Kilman, but obviously he went sort of wandering forward and lost the ball and that left that gap in the defence. And that's where Tyro Mings' ball went through to Danny Ings. But Kilman, the last... I don't think against Villa he had a great performance. Me and Matt mentioned it on the review and a couple of people had sort of pulled us up on it because he cleared that one off the line but he got caught out at the end for the Leon Bailey chance as well. I don't think he's the
2: same player in a two as a three and I don't think he's the same player without Cody there, like breaking and barking him and telling him where to be positionally and that's just that's just what I see. I always thought, you know, know, I'm a big fan of Collins I've been, he really has been getting stick and I, I think that Collins is the better centre-half out of two and have the better career, for sure. Um, I just think Kilman needs a bit of guidance around him, someone to like sort of drag him into position a little bit. And he looked comfortable in a back five, like, say, with Cody there, giving him instructions. Mm. And behind him, he looked a lot more assured because he's good on the ball. I think that goal, you know, we should not be conceding the goal from a, di- you know, 50-yard diagonal ball over the top of the defence. I mean, Sar slips as well, which doesn't help yeah. things, but... It's just so simple and all the hard work's done Um, because, you know, even at that point, Villa were starting to get a bit of a foothold in the game, but I don't think they were on top of us at that point when we conceded. And then when we went to one all, we were very much just sort of, well, we'll take the point. And I'm a strong believer of watching that game back and thinking about it. Like, if we were 12th, 11th in the league, like six, seven points clear of safety, we'd have got out, carried on playing the way we were. I think we'd have won that game handsomely. And I just think it's the desperation of points at the minute. Like, that we sort of sat in, we got a bit nervous, a bit cagey. And you know what? Like, I know they lost to Stevenage at the weekend, so it probably devalues that point a little bit more. But that's a that's a Villa team that beat Chelsea, Man United, in recent weeks. And, you know, emery gotten going a little bit. So, you know, I, I think it's a good away point, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, we'd have took it before the game, for sure.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, if someone offered it to you before the game with the form Villa were in, uh, especially with it being a derby if you think it's a derby or not i think you know you probably would have taken the point in that anyway and you know our first half was fantastic the one thing that changed in the second half as well was Adama Troyore came on and again we mentioned this on our review the guy behind us oh my word from 45th minute to the 95th minute whatever it was just constant abuse to Adama Troyore. i think i've still got a headache now just moaning at him that he's out of position, not tracking a man. It was obvious, obviously an in- team instruction to give Digne space on the ball because Samaido didn't close him down either. Um, and he was moaning at Adama for not tracking that as well. And, and even when, I think at the end, we swapped to the five, it was a five-three-two, and Adama was as a striker moaning at Adama for not getting back quick enough. And I thought, man, this... I said, I don't know how you watch football, football matches, like just moaning and moaning and moaning. But um, I, I am yeah, not. I don't think uh, Adam was fantastic. I thought he was a lot better against Liverpool again, which we'll talk about shortly. But um, the Leon Bailey chance as well thing, we've seen him crying. We've seen him putting it on Instagram and Twitter <laughs> apologising. But again, that that's one I know. I don't want to sort of jump on it too much, but Kilman probably should be defending that a little bit better. I think he's just allowed that ball to go over his head. And obviously it's allowed Leon Bailey to go through and goal.
1: Yeah, I think from the, the sort of view that I had where you couldn't see it too well, but even though I could see that it was Bailey on his right foot and if anyone's played FIFA or watched any Bailey highlights, I, I knew, right, he's taking this on his right foot, it's not going in. Um, I don't know what it is with Villa and I think, was it and Traore as well, one of the only players on FIFA to have one star weak foot, so they're, they're wingers, as long as you get them the right way. Um, I wasn't really fearing anything, until, yeah, once he'd taken it round, but... No, yeah, it, we should have had warning signs from the goal. Uh, there's, there's been a theme of that. I think um, was it the Brighton game where they basically attempted a move. We were lucky enough to to not concede, and then they tried it again and scored. So maybe we do need to wake up in in that sort of sense, but. But, yeah, Bailey, um, <laughs> it's very embarrassing to cry afterwards and then to highlight that you were crying afterwards as well. No, it's weird um, that you put so, it on yeah. apologising
0: <laughs> as well. Yeah, no, sorry,
1: it, it it, at, least he, at least he cares, I suppose.
0: Yeah, but, yeah, 1-1 one, one draw, like like George said earlier, probably would have taken the point. And, obviously, the bet, mate, as well. We had two winners uh, this week. I think I finished just outside the winning places, but Finn and George both won a little bit of money. Finn, you finished top 10, took home £10.35. I think that's... Probably your biggest ever win, I'm... isn't it? Yeah. George finished uh, 16th as well. He won £5.40, which what was it? £3 in? So, you know, three a bit in, wasn't it, yeah. you know Rome wasn't yeah. built in a day. So we take those. Yeah. Um, top three, it was M. Wilsey 80, finished top with and won £114.30. Roy Oaks finished second, uh, won £67.50. Jack Wolf in third, he won £45. Quid. So congrats to those you know, three and obviously you two as well.
1: Sorry Dave, you know what's weird though, when the teams came out and obviously I was stood with you in the in the concourse, I changed my team to be very Villa. So I don't know how it got better because they weren't great. So I don't know how I've done that. I think I had, I three had villa plays in that me. Games. I
0: had Douglas Louise as captain, I think, and he didn't do he didn't actually get mm. that many points. Um so yeah, that that let me I think I had Padence, which which uh, you know put that me in a good position. To. But Yeah, yeah, we'll come on to the uh, West Ham game and Betmate pot shortly as well. But, of course, on Saturday, late kickoff, FA Cup third round, Wolves are at Anfield. Uh, Liverpool seem to be a team that we play quite often in the FA Cup, lads, but it was nine changes to the team. George, we didn't know how Lopetegui was going to approach this, especially with two important games this week as well, Forest in the quarterfinal of the Cup and obviously West Ham, uh, which you could class as a six-pointer. But the, I think... It's almost, oh, I'm not going to say luxury, but sort of the beauty with this current war squad is that there is a little bit of depth there in, in some senses. And then even if you rotate, it's still a fairly strong team, but nine changes against, I would say, at the moment, a full-strength Liverpool team. What did you think? Um, I was glad we went as, and I say
2: we were semi-strong, but I was glad as we went as strong as we did because it's obvious that, you know, Klopp with Liverpool season at the moment, then he, well, it's a it's competition, they must see as winnable. I think he wanted to do it in one game because I know they've got Real Madrid very soon in Champions League as well. He do not want to replay. And I think when they yeah. come to uh, Molyneux in a few weeks, they're going to end up playing like the Carabao Cup side that they took to Villa with about like, 14 and 15 old lads. Hope so. Yeah, let's hope so. Um, but yeah, I was quite happy with the, the team. Like I say, it was, you know, I wasn't expecting anything. It was a bit of a free hit, and I hate using that analogy, but it was just look. Forest a bigger yeah. game, West Ham's a better game, yeah, you know, and I, and I think that sort of showed a little bit in our approach, because I think if, if we're going up in the in the league at Anfield, we'd probably play a little bit more rigid and a bit more reserved, but I do think that that's the best way to play against these top teams, not in Liverpool's in Man city is you almost need to trade punches with them and play up the pitch a little bit, because I think if you just sit in, they've got that much quality, they'll pick you off and they'll beat you 3-4-0 anyway. So I think if you just play 20 yards further up the pitch and sort of press them in and that's the way to go about it. And we took the game to him when we could take the game to him. And it was very successful in large parts.
0: Yeah. I thought, you know, we did you know we pressed them well. and I think like you said earlier, Finn, in regards to, to Huang, you know, I know he sort of didn't play in that first half, but I think having those players that pressed quite well, and even Adama, I thought, you know, had a almost quite a disciplined performance, you know, for his standards as well. And, um, and that rewarded us as well, because Liverpool were making sloppy errors. We didn't have a huge amount of the ball, but obviously we got our first goal from their mistake when we were pressing. And Alisson just plays it straight into the path of, of Geddes, who has to tap in. But I've spoken to a couple of people about that. And like in the stands, you almost couldn't believe what had happened.
1: No, yeah, it was, um, it was weird because I think Raul had gone... Had gone down just before, hadn't he? And then you sort of, yeah. you see we weren't given the free kick, which was expected, um, and maybe foreshadowing sure. for things to come. Um, and then the ball rolled back to Allison. So it almost as a fan you do have your eyes on the game, but you're almost right okay. Cables with the goalkeeper. I'm out uh, check with my mum or, or whatever. And then all of a sudden, people are jumping up. They don't know what's happened. I knew from a YouTube-wise that it wasn't Raoul that had scored because he must have been on the floor. So I was like, well, it, it wasn't him, but I'll still, still celebrate regardless. And yeah, I, I, we um, quickly got replays I think out of context football had got it on pretty sharpish so that was the one that was going around the fans of him <laughs> just throwing it straight to Guedes um as like a funny moment yeah so everyone was loving it then but yeah no one had a clue it was really really weird celebrations I think the the other two goals were celebrated much more um yeah much more vigorously um but yeah, yeah it was a gift of a goal um <laughs> but you've got you've got to be there to score it and we are very rarely against the top top teams in their box from a goal kick so it's a yeah
0: they, they... They were a little bit sloppy. There was the one chance earlier. I think Matip took a little bit too long on the ball and Geddes was unlucky sort of to to trap the ball there, about six yards out again. But I think it shows. And we talk about these players coming to a different country and almost trying to get this confidence up. About two minutes later, Joel, Geddes picks the ball up and looks up and has a shot from about 30 yards, which troubled Alisson as well. I think sometimes players need that, don't they? Just a goal to get that morale and confidence up. And Lopetegui hasn't really given him the opportunities as of yet. Uh, but performances like that will, you know, give him something more to think about, won't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think he's, he is a confidence player.
2: You can see that in his demeanour. And, his, you know, people keep saying he's a bit moody, doesn't like his arse. I just think he's a bit of a confidence player. And when he scored his goal, he was like a like Bugs Bunny, wasn't he? Just all around the pitch. And, uh, yeah, like you say, he wouldn't have took that shot on before Christmas, put it like that, with a Bruno Lars team. And uh, I thought he had his best game in a wolf shirt. Again, playing in the position where he was for Valencia, where he got his uh, goal contributions, and that's probably where you'll see the best out of him. And I think that him and Cunha together that could be quite dangerous, you know, like from a from a forward-pressing point of view, and it allows you again to get up the pitch a little bit further, and you've got two quick people that are pressing the ball rather than Matinho and Costa, who, again, intelligent footballers, but not, not the most nimble of people.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was a shame that we obviously didn't weren't able to hold on to the league until half-time. I mean, I can't take anything away from the assist from Trent and the finish from uh, Darwin Nunes. I, I picked out the poor clearance from uh, Nathan Collins. I thought that, again, not taking anything away from the, the rest of his game because I thought he was good again against Liverpool. But I think the clearance has got to be a lot better because Trent is completely on his own on that side of the pitch as well. Maybe that was part of Collins's thinking. I don't know if it's a miskick. But that's where it goes straight to. Um, when I blamed Collins, and a lot of people agree with me, Matt sort of jumped on me and said, No, that's Dexter Lembakisa, who has got to be stopping that. But I think you could, you know, you can point at a number of players. But like I said, it was a top, top goal from and Darwin Nunes. Um, second half though, a lot of drama. Um, we saw obviously the Salah goal. This one thing again is such a gray area, um, because. When when I saw the replay, I said that's gotta be offside because obviously Totti, yes, he's headed it, but Salah's in that offside position. So obviously it goes down to do you think Totti's header is deliberate or not? Probably is, and he's absolutely cocked it up. But at the same time, he doesn't need to make that header if Salah's not stood behind him. So what again, in the in the ground, was there any indication that it could be offside? And what's your overall thoughts on that goal?
1: Um, Yeah, I, I mean, I've seen several rules since about how in the Premier League rules it says it has to be the goalkeeper to then make them back on side, but then Liverpool fans digging out an FA rule saying that it can, if it's deliberate, as you say, it can then make him active again or whatever. Um, In the ground, because you're so low down and so far away from it, there wasn't too many protests. I mean, not even me the most cynical of fans. I mean, I've seen that Neto goal ruled out for offside at Anfield. I've seen so many dodgy decisions at Anfield. And to be fair, I wasn't even that bothered. Like, to, to first view in uh, I didn't see anything but then once you look on social media and the word starts to get around that he was offside and I think there was a goal was it the Nations League where it's something similar but Laporte it wasn't a header away he like went to to t- uh, slide tackle it or it might have been a header I can't remember and I remember thinking at the time that's a ridiculous rule I think it was it Benzema and possibly playing France at the time and um, And yeah, that's one of the examples of it before. I think there's been another one since as well. But it is a ridiculous rule. You've seen everyone within football say that shouldn't be a goal. I think I was listening to Talk Sport this morning. There's two former footballers saying, yeah, that shouldn't be a goal. Danny Murphy as well, if anyone's going to back Liverpool on Match of the Day. I think it's one of those ones where I think if the later one hadn't happened, people wouldn't be crying too much because technically you can say, well, it's in the rules, but the, the rules are stupid. It's one of those. But I think... With the buildup of things and like Andy Robertson putting like f- f- studs through Adama's eyes, I think then people start to build up the narrative. So that one on its own, I could have maybe stomached. That's that's all right for Anfield for us. We normally get dodgy ones and that, but yeah, it's just, it's just a real grey area, and we were unlucky on on that one at least.
0: It wouldn't surprise me to see the, that rule changed or reworded, you know, in the
1: near future as as yes. always. But yeah, there were, there were be, a lot of people... When we benefit from it, that'll be when it changes. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but even Robbie Fowler said um, yeah. that one shouldn't have counted and the one that we sco- scored or, you know, that was a given that should have counted. But there's been um, a lot of debate. And I, yeah, like, like you said, I watched Match of the Day after the game and I think it was... Uh, obviously Danny Murphy was a really surprised to hear from and Stephen Warnock as well. Um, but Danny Murphy in particular, really surprised to see him back in almost, you know, the Wolf side. But um, yeah, it, it, frustrating to concede that that goal. Um, but George, the big one, obviously the uh, well, not quite that big one yet because we'll talk about the equaliser first, but two mm-hmm. subs combining for this one. Um, co- you know, combining really well. Obviously, Mate is coming off the bench and, and, and Huang. And I know we're all desperate for subs, uh, you know, for new signings and so on at the moment. But I think in the attacking areas, Wolves have got some... I know the goals aren't quite free-flowing as of yet, but we've got some serious depth there um, in those wide areas. And if you include Aitnori in there now, who I thought, again, had a top performance, even as a a more attacking player. Uh, But good to see players come on and make a difference. And and Kunja and Huang, I thought, looked quite bright in in parts of the second half and obviously got that goal. Yeah, it's all about confidence.
2: And I don't think we've ever sort of doubted the ability that some of these players have got for Wolves, but it's almost like with Nuno and under Bruno, we played very pragmatic. So they almost play with the the shackles on. Um, And it seems like Lopetegui's just given them a little bit of license to go out there and express themselves. And I think that, I think I read something of Lopetegui when he was at Sevilla, and I could be completely wrong. But like, he does not see subs as subs. He sees them as almost like finishers, like what, in rugby, what they do, like you bring people on for the last 20, 25 minutes just to come on and just cause carnage and havoc and chaos and just, you know, go on there and just yeah there's no structure just go on play your game fluid and just run yep. it at the tide defense and you can see that a little bit with the change with with trial ray when he's been coming off the bench and all that sort of stuff like you can sort of see like he sees them as finishes rather than moving parts like plan a we'll swap the personal in plan a um yeah like I say it's a great a great link up by Huang and Kunia good ball back by Kunia and huang has got a little bit unfortunate um he's had a lot of stick from Wolves fans myself included in the past, but I'm just glad to see him playing with a bit of a smile on his face and he deserved that bit of luck as well and um, I think he's a different player coming back into this Wolf team from the World Cup and so far, I've liked everything I've seen from him from the start and, and you know, coming off the bench as well.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I gave him a lot of stick people know that as well, but I think he's almost this sort of, you know, Fingers crossed he can continue to improve and continue to get on the on the goal sheet. But we've seen it, you know, it's taken him just over 12 months. He's learned the language quite fluently now as well. You've got someone in Cunha who speaks, you know, German, where Huang spent a little bit of time as well. So he's going to get that those, you know, friendships, relationships. And, you know, we saw that on the pitch as well. And I, I like that, the fact that, you know, I think that's what you almost, you want subs to do sometimes. You know, they've come on against sometimes defenders that have already played 60, 70 minutes. You want them to come on and just run right. Um, and I think sometimes, on the flip side of that, sometimes that's an issue for Adama, because I always think it takes Adama maybe like 20, 25 minutes to sort of actually get into a game. So when he comes off the bench, it's he's not as effective as I think some fans will want him to be. But, you know, even the 70, 70th, 80th minute against Liverpool, you know, he caused some real problems as they were pushing on to try mm. and get a winner. But, We will come on to that controversial moment now where uh, I think it was Cunha didn't he have a shot saved or blocked and it goes out for a corner, whipped in by Nunes, headed back out a couple of times, back to Nunes. who whips it in, deflects into the path of Totti Gomez, who scores a nice little back heel, shirt off, abs out. And then somehow Finn, the flag ends up, you know, the lino puts his flag up. Now, I was saying to you lot before the game, people who listened to the review will know, I was sat at home questioning Why on earth the flag would be up? Surely Totty wasn't offside. He wasn't. They didn't have any angles of the Nunes, you know, where Nunes was stood. So if I was confused at home with all those replays, Finn, I'm sure uh, you and Jordan and Field were equally as confused with what was going on.
1: Yeah, I'll talk you through it, but just stop me when I've been going on for too long or whatever. Like, right. <laughs> you start getting bored um, or start getting too heated. Because like, I knew, like, even on the day I tried to calm myself down after the game, but I knew I'm going to have to talk about this again. So, like, I may as well save all my energy for this. So, in the ground, yeah, we've we've all gone mental. Um, and then a few people see the flags going up. A few people, it took a good 20 seconds them to realise the flag had gone up. And I think someone's just put out footage tonight on Twitter that, I think the ref was about three or four seconds after the goal. He actually decided to put his flag up. So we had those few precious seconds of thinking that that we'd scored the goal. And then, yeah, people start to realise a lot of people were adamant because the original thought is, right, it's Gomez. It's, it, people think it's Ty Gomez that's offside. And yeah, like, I just knew he, no, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. There was a guy that was had filmed it behind me. I'd filmed it myself, but I didn't think at the time. The guy behind was then, we were all watching his screen, like it, the flipping cinema, we we're all lined up. And we watch it, we go, right, no offside there, no offside there. Every touch, Totti's onside. Um, so we're like, okay, sound, this is going to be given. You wait two minutes and bang, um, <clears throat> offside. So we're all, we've got literal video evidence in front of us. Totti's never offside there. So then you go to Twitter and people are going, where's the offside? I can't see. There was literally a point, it's in my video that I've put out. I went on Twitter and it was Lee Westwood, the golfer, Chris Hughes from Love Island, and Ravel Morrison all going, what on earth has just happened there? And I thought, right, if it's getting golf, Love Island, and League One footballers involved, it's got to be like a bit real big decision free, to sort of like, cross you all go
0: these on a genres. Thought, right, brother. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so there was yeah, there was suspicion straight away and then it started coming out that it was Nunes. But then I could also couldn't think there's no way he was offside because he was quite he was much deeper so yeah everyone's just no one really knew and then it's more or less when you get outside the ground that it's coming through that they didn't have an angle to prove that Nunes was offside but we all knew ourselves that he wasn't offside and then you just think we've been robbed and then you get out the ground and see people filming hey up the refs told the linesman to put his flag up so you're in this sort of like sequence of events where the VAR can't prove the linesman wrong who didn't even flag in the first place because he didn't see so it looks like the referee who especially can't see has ordered the flag I mean there's probably dialogue there saying oh I'm not sure just put your flat light it it looks yeah. more corrupt than it probably was but when you add all those things up it's just you can't even yeah. say oh yeah unlucky there it just, it's just oof. yeah sorry George you go I'll, I'll stop myself <laughs>
2: <laughs> um no. yeah I think for me my initial reaction I saw the flag and I just thought it's got to be Nunez because of just how quickly it all happened. It seemed, the ball seemed to come back out to Nunes quite quickly from the corner flag. And I just thought, well, he's got to be offside because I think I saw on Twitter, like people are actually saying, the offside rule is stupid for the corner taker because how can he ever be onside when he, you know, if you take a call off the pitch, so how can he actually ever physically be onside anyway? So I just thought that happened. And then... I'd messaged on Twitter, I think in our in our Twitter group or WhatsApp group, saying like, "Cause I knew Dave and Matt were at home, just like, what's going on?" And there's a few like I didn't look at my phone again then, and I got out of the ground, and I had like 64 WhatsApps, Twitter messages, um, images, videos, like what the what the what the fuck's going on? It's corrupt. It's this. It's that. And I'd like maybe I'm naive. I'd like to think that it isn't corrupt, like you know. I just think that with VAR, the principle of VAR is good, but it's almost like unconscious bias. It always seems to go in the way of like these bigger teams to get those decisions. And I think it's unfortunate that the the angle's not there in terms of the angle's not there to disprove that Nunez was on side. However, if that goal goes in at the cop, they ain't putting the flag up. Yeah, there's no way there's no way the flag's going up. It's just like mm. right, if he's offside, VAR will give it offside. But it's just the fact of. <laughs> He's put the flag up. The linesman can't see it through all that bodies of players to be 100 percent definitively sure. If you put the flag up as soon as the ball went back out to Nunes, you'd no one would probably argue the toss. You go, well, he's come, he's literally just took the corner. But it's the fact that the phase of play has gone on, the goal's gone in, the linesman's running up to like sort of the halfway line for the kickoff. Then he's put his flag up. Then it looks like the ref's sort of pointing and gesturing to him to put the flag up. It's just all this. Yeah, like I say, maybe I'm naive. Maybe I just think, you know, football's not like that. But it's sick, isn't it? It it really does stink. And again, the third round of the FA Cup, it doesn't matter. It doesn't really, you know, I'm bothered. I'm pissed off. But if that was us, you know, meaning us staying in the Premier League or not, or winning the FA Cup final or not, I'd be absolutely livid. Like, absolutely livid. Um, So we still don't have any... No one's come out from like the PGMOL, M- M- isn't it? The referee yeah. union say why. I think that referees, and I know that people have been saying it on. You know, I think Carragher and Neville have been advocates for it for a long time, but I think that's just because they want the drama on Sky Sports. Is why don't the refs come out after games and just speak? Why don't they just say this is why we gave it in rugby league and in rugby, <laughs> they're wired up to the to the to the stadium speakers, like everyone in the ground knows what's going on. They're talking through the decision. It's on the big screen. Everyone knows where to stand. NFL's the same as well. Lab we'll booth reviews—they'll talk about it. Cricket, you know, Snicko, all that sort. Of, like literally, the technology is played in front of you, and you can under- and the talk through decision, and you can hear it at home or in the stadium. Why, in the 21st century, in a football ground, can you not have like the ma- like Andy May? Was it Andy Mabrey? Riff thing. Mate, they uh, can't. Anyway, don't ca- Yeah, but ref. they can't even
1: see the whole pitch on cameras, let alone like all of it.
2: But then, but then. The other thing is, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. is it Bn Sports have got the like the World Cup? Yeah, technology. Bn Sports have
0: got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and
2: that so what? And it's coming into the grounds next year. Why isn't that? If that technology is good enough for the World Cup, why isn't it good enough now for like English top flight like, football grounds? It should just be in. There's no, there's no reason why it's not in. It's that's what again. It's annoying and it keeps coming back with VAR. I think the principle of VAR works when it's black and white with offsides normally. You're offside. <laughs> it's it, it's difficult, you know. Especially with this all, you know, the AI stuff that's coming in the World Cup. There was no problems with VAR. No one saw it like VAR. On the whole, the World Cup was
0: officiated extremely well. There wasn't there wasn't any issues with it last World Cup either, or last Euros, whatever no, no. it was when it first came in. But why? Champions is it always League, a fast You
2: don't thing? get any stinkers. Yeah. Champions League, you never get any stinkers, and then you know people are saying, "Oh, we haven't got any Premier League referees in the quarterfinals of like the World Cup or the Champions League." You know why? Because they're all fucking awful, terrible. <laughs> Like, it's really bad. Like honestly, like some some of them have been like riding on the laurels for so long, and it just yeah. Like again, I hope you know, maybe naive. I don't think it is as corrupt as what people are saying, but I do think the big teams do get this unconscious bias, whether you like it or not, where yeah. they just seem to get the the decisions or they get the benefit of the doubt like too many times. And as soon as it's not clear and obvious that you're going to stick with the on field decision, and that's again another grey area with. I can think of the sleeper one this this season. Like if that was the other way around, it'd have been a red card and a penalty because just the ref would have given that, and then they'd have gone to the air and gone, "Oh, it's not clear and obvious to change it," and it's another thing that you're on the wrong side of. So that's for me what that like, you know that's what stinks to me the most.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. You know, the like I said, it it was a shame that ITV had sort of brushed over it so, so quickly. They didn't really make a big deal out of it. And in the studio after, I think it was Mark Pugac, who's the, the host with Eni Iluco and Heskey, and Walls got very little praise for their performance. Um, and again, they spoke You know, they spoke about it, but just said, well, there were, weren't the camera angles available or whatever. But for a team as big as Liverpool, a uh, ground as big and famous and, you know, well-structured as Anfield, you know, that, that's just crazy, isn't it? So it is frustrating. And I think, you know, there's a number of people you could pinpoint the blame on. Um, like you said, I think Finn, you know, the liner might be in the ear saying, oh, I'm not sure if he's offside. And the ref's probably said, well, put your flag up on VAR, we'll clear it up, which obviously mm-hmm. completely backfired on probably the three people who's the Lino, the ref, and obviously Mike Dean as well, who's who's got the brunt of what's gone on. But um very very frustrating to be on the wrong end of that and like you said i think the salad goal the same you know they if um Matty headed it back for him and is to tap it in i'm sure they would have taken a much longer look at, at that and if but that never... happens
1: <clears throat> They never even looked at that one, did they? And yet, even the Huang goal was up VAR checking. They check everything with a fine tooth. They,
0: they They did check the Salah goal for a little bit, but it, oh, did it didn't take. Sorry, yeah, long it never to, came up
1: in the. In the yeah, yeah it, it didn't take the them game.
0: long to to give it. Um, and the the Hwang goal was tight, but it was it was onside. But yeah, it was it was you know really really frustrating when we've worked so hard for a player like Totti as well, who hasn't been given mm. a huge amount of opportunities, <clears throat> not just under Lopetegui, but you know under Large as well since coming back to the team, uh, for him to score great moment and there were just little moments even after that I think Cunha had half a shout for a penalty as well didn't he uh, I think it's a penalty on all day I don't know how like they would really check
2: that because no. again they're meant to check anything that happens inside the box
0: that, that's happened inside the box and you're telling me that ain't a foul he hadn't even played the ball that is but you know what that's almost the exact was it England in, you know when Kane missed the penalty it's yeah, very similar Mason, to Mount,
2: Mason Mount when yes. Hernandez just yeah. went through and wouldn't look mm. at the ball it's and exactly everyone's the like, same thing. everyone's shouting for it. Then actually when you see the replay yes. with that Mount one, Hernandez never even looks the ball once. He just takes Mount mm-hmm. And that's exactly I think that's the same, same He's cool not thing. played the ball.
1: And just, not played the ball. It really, even though it wasn't given, what angers me on those ones and indulge me, it might be just stupid and thinking way too much. But I always find that when it's like a young, like a Man United player playing one of his first few games or a Liverpool playing one of his first few games, I don't think a Wolves youngster would dare make that challenge because they'd think, that's a risk of a penalty. Apart from Joe they come Hunch. through knowing we'll be sound here, but he just goes straight through. So I don't. I don't see Lembekis Keyser even risking that. But Liverpool, well, of course, I ain't going to be giving it, and it's probably overthinking it. But things like that. And I also wound me up again today. To what you're saying about Totty, Dave? There was a Liverpool fan giving the audacity of saying, "Why didn't they book Totty?" But, mate, you. Oh, oh I like, know. a lot.
0: To be fair, you know what? A lot of a lot of you know, and no, no disrespect to, to Liverpool fans. I thought after this game it's going to be full of Liverpool fans telling us to shut up. You know, he's offside, get on with it. And there were very, very few people, you know, football fans in general say, you know, a lot of football fans saying,
1: Yeah.
0: I don't understand how they're giving offside. There were very few. And the few that sort of argued it, you could tell, don't understand the rules because yeah. I've seen at least three or four people say, well, the first header, which was from Nathan Collins, was aimed at Nunes, he was offside. I was like, that's, that's got nothing to do with it because he's not the last touch. Um and there was a there was a few comments on that but on the whole even Liverpool fans have been pretty sort of almost forgiving. Um, but you could you bet your bottom dollar if that happened to them, petition or, as soon as the oh, final whistle goes, you know all sorts. So, um, yeah, but but we mentioned there, yeah, the Totty one uh, was interesting that he didn't get a booking for that. Um, because I think the refs probably are still meant to do it regardless of whether it's given a goal or not. Yeah, they probably
1: should have. It was just the fact they were still having something to moan about. I was like, man, you just got away with it quite like, because when you're saying people are saying, I don't understand how it's offside, it's because it was not offside. That's the like, so you can't even blag it, can you, as a Liverpool fan? And as you say, like Robbie Fowler, Danny Murphy, they have to sort of, they have to say, Yeah. yeah, we've got away with one there. There's no other option.
0: Yeah, and, and I'll very quick, you know, we've mentioned them a couple of times, but George, in, in amongst those nine changes, one was Joe Hodge, one was Dexter Lembeke, so was probably a surprise start out of those. But um, I suppose I'll give a shout-out to Johnny as well. I thought that was one of his best performances for a long time, yeah. obviously playing on that left-hand side where, you know, he sort of made his name as a Wolves player as such. But Hodge as well, I don't know what it is with Joe Hodge. You know, maybe it's because he hasn't really been given... Um, I don't know, maybe not played to his strengths as of yet, but I thought against Liverpool, he was fantastic. And it probably goes to back to what you said earlier, sort of playing a little bit higher, a bit more pressing. I thought him and Neves did a great job for, for large parts of that game.
2: Yeah, and I think it's what, sort of alludes to what I said last week about Hodge, is that he's never going to let you down. He's going to be neat, tidy, never going to, I don't think he's ever going to be spraying the ball 60, 70 yards and he's not, you know, from an ability-wise, he's not going to be doing the same that Matthias Nunes does for you, but They'll do a job and you need people like that in the swing and around the squad. And you know what? I thought it was fantastic. You know, that, whatever you're saying about Liverpool at the moment in terms of form, they're still a world-class team. You know, they still won four trophies last year. And, you know, he, he, I thought you dealt with Thiago extremely well. You know, I thought I thought the both, let's say both of them, you know, two versus three against that midfield three, are, you know, they can pass anyone off the field. Like you've seen yeah. world-class midfielders go to Anfield and shrink. And get swallowed up by it all, and yeah, uh, hats off to him. You know, fantastic performance. It, it was, um, you can't knock any of them. Johnny, as well. Again, last week we we're all saying he was finished, he had a very solid game against against Salah, but he needed that, he did need that performance, and it was nice. Mm-hmm. You know, he got the captain's armband as well, didn't he? In the second yeah, half, yeah, and well. the end, yeah. so mm. I think, I think, um, Lopetegu gave him his debut for Spain, didn't he, in the Nations League when we beat Possibly, them as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think, like, you know, he's someone that Lopatagis, you know, knows Johnny as a player and he likes him and rates him. And like I say for me, again, rightly so, he's been criticized this year despite the bad injuries. But I would love nothing more than Johnny to get back to his old form because, like I say, he's one of my favorite yeah. players in this first era.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, Lember Keys, like I said, he's only himself a new contract. And, you know, if somebody had told me that Cody Gakpo didn't get in the Liverpool squad for Saturday, I probably would have believed him because he had very little opportunities and I thought Lembekisa did a pretty good job on him as well. And if we can, you know, like I said earlier, Aitnori played a bit bit further forward, really sort of starting to shine a little bit. If you class now Aitnori maybe as a forward and you've got Johnny and uh, Hugo Bueno as your two left backs and maybe Lembekisa and Semedo as your right backs, I think that right back position still got a couple of question marks over it. But, you know, Mm. slowly but surely... The Steve Davis effect of bringing in some of these younger players has had a massive impact on our squad depth in, in, in a good way. So, yeah. I mean, fair play to him for that. And obviously, we we always want to see some new transfers. But if you can take advantage of your, of your own new system by giving these players a chance,
1: yeah, then, you know, fantastic. He did play so, Nunes in the number 10 for like five games though, so... No, it wasn't, it was Scott Sellers, we saw
2: the clipboard, it was Scott Sellers, he's
0: not in yeah. Not Steve James. <laughs> yeah, but I mean Nunes came on again and um, we did mention him against Villa, I thought he had a good game against Villa, but against against Liverpool, I mean, that was a Liverpool me fans it. weren't excited before, they probably were, you know, after that little cameo, weren't they? So, yeah, you know, let's just enjoy him whilst, if 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 Lopatenghi can continue to get the best out of him and if we if we what what do you think, lads? I mean, actually, there's a question at the end, I think. I'll uh yeah, I'll leave it till the end of the question I was about to ask yeah. anyway. But yeah. Walls are into the hat for the uh for the fourth round anyway, lads. Brighton draw tough draw, isn't it? Away as well. It's probably one of the worst draws you can get right
2: now with the form they're in. Um his yeah. cracking manager. I've had his I've had his uh I've been watching, you know his profile from afar and he's come to the Premier League. Took to it like a duck with water, like a duck takes to water. And, uh, you know, that's how you employ a new manager. It's what I said uh when we were looking for the large replacement. It's Brighton and they, they're already looking. They've already got three lined up for the next one to go. And they'll have three lined up for when deserved moves on. And that's the way they've got it. They've got such a fantastic, like, footballing model there. And a lot of good, you know, good players. And players that get on the cheap and they get them from, like, the you know, very much XG models and moneyball models. Yeah. And I'm just fascinated by how out of the runners as a football team and they're a good Premier League team at the moment it's going to be a tough game if we do get past Liverpool which I do generally think we will because I think Liverpool will play the babies like I said earlier on um, but yeah it's not a nice place to go and they beat Middlesbrough 5-1 did they? I think they played yeah, in, well. in four Middlesbrough for
0: team as well Yeah, yeah
2: they're, they're a problem at the minute they're a good team and you've got, to, you know, you've got to treat them like one it's going to be as tough as you're going to get in that fourth round I think
0: yeah, I mean, the, the replay, I think, is probably it's next week. So that'll soon come around, three midweek games in a row for Wolves. Um, Finn, you can bet your bottom dollar that BBC or ITV will probably put this one as like a Friday night, 8pm kickoff as well. <laughs> hmm.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, it's 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 not nice all round, really. Tough opponent, very hard to get to. Um, could be a nice weekend away, really, maybe. But um, I, when yeah. do we play them? We play them more towards when it might be a little bit hotter, don't we? Is it more like April time? Um, to make oh in the league day. I thought you'd
0: been in the cup then yeah in the
1: league sorry yeah yeah yeah. For, yeah to, <laughs> to pinpoint a beach day in Brighton I might do the, the second one rather than that one Um but I, I mean the games in general but if, if we'd have been knocked out by Liverpool fair and square I mean the, I don't know how all those decisions have got me caring about the FA Cup third round when we're in a relegation battle I thought right we can lose this we don't really oh, need really the extra games bothered. especially with the Carabao and now yeah now it's turned into like I think I've watched the highlights of that game more than I've watched any of the Premier League games so um. <laughs> yeah, it's strange. I don't mind if we if we do go out really. It was just the injustice. So if we go out there it's not well, either the the replay or the Brighton game, it's not not too embarrassing. I don't know whether I'll be making that track, I don't know. We'll have to
0: wait. We'll have to wait and see. No. What we, um, yeah, to be fair with the highlights, Wolves have really rinsed it on the socials this weekend, to be fair. <laughs> they've put a lot of the highlights up as well. And, and a sarcastic TikTok as well of the disallowed goal, which, which is always nice as well. And the last time I did Brighton away was the Mel Eves away day, by the way, as well. So it <laughs> might just have to be worth going again just for that. But uh, another cup game for Wolves this Wednesday, They take on Nottingham Forest away from home. Now, Forest rotated... A fair bit in their FA Cup and they got smashed. Uh, Who's it, who was it by? Blackpool. I say he wrote, you know, it was a rotated team, but there was still some decent players. Emmanuel Dennis played in that game. And still had the likes of Hennessy starting in goal. Jord, this is a huge game for Wolves, isn't it? Because to get into the last four of a domestic trophy would be a huge honour for the club. But get, get a real buzz around Molyneux again at the right time.
2: Yeah, and I i just feel I've never... I don't think I've been as confident for a football game as I have all season than this one right now. <laughs> when they come to Bolognese, I was petrified, they were going to turn us over. But I i just can't see us doing anything other than going there and steamrolling them. I, and I genuinely mean that. Like, I've just got... I think Lopetegui, the way we are at the moment, there's a good vibe around the club. Yes, we're 19th in the Premier League, but with three points off 13th, like, there's a corner has been changed. and we turn that corner... And I don't think this forest team are very good. And I think if we play like we did against Liverpool, that, that performance with like what you'd class as first team as coming into that, that team as well. Yeah, I just I just think we'll have too much for them. I, I think I think we I just think we'll be too good for them. And this could, you know, yeah. sand clip and bite me on the arse, but I think we'll go there and win three three four 0 I genuinely, generally do. There
0: I hope uh, George's right there, Finn. Um, <laughs> obviously uh, I think he rotated for the weekend, but do you think that means Wolves we'll go full strength today? Obviously, you've got to sort of look towards Saturday as well, a tough game, but mm. Wolves got a couple of little knocks. I think Nori came off with a slight knock and obviously Pedence were unsure on, but full strength, do you think, for Wednesday?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's easy me saying that. that I suppose I'd have to run around three times in seven days or whatever Um if I was one of the players, but I think I would, yeah. I, I I couldn't... I think my Wi-Fi was slightly going. I don't know whether uh, the FA are trying to get me shut down because I said the word corruption. So, I couldn't fully tell what George was saying. But basically, I hate Forest. I think that's what he was saying uh, ever since the game at home. <laughs> <Pleasure>. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it would be very nice to get the win. I think... Was it in the Carabao Cup last year? We went there and did yeah, them, slapped, three or four, obviously. Yeah, yeah, obviously, they were in the league below. Um, but, yeah, I am still pretty confident. I don't fully rate them. I think they'll be one of the three that goes down this season. So, pretty confident. And I would like to see us give the best account of ourselves. but. Is that be it? it it's, I suppose it goes more existential in the do you want a Carabao Cup or staying up? Like, do you want to win a cup or stay up and all that stuff? And we'll probably face Man City in the final if we get there and, and lose anyway. But I just think, I think go for it. West Ham is a really, really big game. But I, I think with what I've seen so far, even if that game goes wrong, I'm still confident we'll stay up. So I think, yeah. Go full strength for this
0: one, yeah, and obviously, Gibbs White probably again against oh, yeah. Wolves. Willie Bolly didn't play in the league game but started to break it to the team a little bit more, so be interesting. But yeah, it'd be nice to get a win. I think you know, it is a winnable, it's a winnable winnable game. Forest's league form is a little bit better, but yeah, fingers mm. crossed we could still get there. Um, West Ham as well, then lads. Uh, on Saturday in the league, it's a 3 p.m. Saturday kickoff. We don't get many of them, uh, at the minute, but. It's a big, big game for Wolves uh, with West Ham struggling as well. David Moyes, you could say, on the brink as well. So they're fragile at the minute. What do you think, George? Is this a must win or just a must not lose for Wolves? I think it's a must
2: not lose. Um, There's so many games still left in the season. Um, I think that West Ham are probably similarly to ourselves, a little bit in a false position. You know, they they can't put the ball in the back of that little weak on. That game at the. whatever you call it, the Olympic Stadium, whatever you want to call it, a fucking big, big stadium, racetrack, whatever. <laughs> toilet bowl. Uh, toilet bowl, yeah. <laughs> like, it, that was one of the most comprehensive defeats of the season. I thought we were that bad that day. It remote, I was down in London for the NFL weekend. I was stopping in Fulham and I didn't even want to get a ticket. I could have literally gone from Fulham to West Ham and I didn't want to go. That's when we well, were in Matt. Belgium,
0: remember me and Matt? because It lost his last mm. game, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, and I had, to, I had to do that bloody talk sport thing. Talk sport stuff about us <laughs> throwing half eleven, at, half eleven at night. Yeah, great. Um But yeah, um I just think it's a must not lose. I think they're you know they're a good team. Like you know they've got they've got some good yeah. players, and they'll turn a corner at some point as well. And I, I think it's a must not lose. Obviously, I think we can go and beat them. I think we'll probably be favourites with the bookies to go and beat them because we're at home, but. You know, it's not a rollover game. Or you know, there's there's three worst teams in West Ham in in the league, and yeah, they'll they'll end up coming middle of the pile, same as where I think we naturally will. You know, sort yeah. of like 12th to 12th, 13th, 14th place. I think.
0: Yeah, they got some. They've got some good individuals, like you know, like we have as well. Uh, you know, Declan Rice, Jared Bones, Kamaka as well. Some people like to look off in atmosphere. We're hoping it's going to be a big part on Saturday. Feed. I think a win against Forest will even, you know, enhance that. It's still not quite where we want it to be or we've seen it in recent years, but atmosphere on Saturday could be vital for this game, couldn't it?
1: Yeah, I think everyone's sort of believing more now. And I think this will be the start of, of picking up a few points in the next few games because we've got, a, uh, I think, after these like Liverpool, Man City games, whoever, there's some few tough teams, but then we have a real nice run. So, I think it will build up. People are starting to believe in... I mean, West Ham at home, every time there's been fans in the stadium anyway, it's been a bit of a formality. It's been been one of our easiest games normally every season. I think, yeah, in lockdown, they absolutely battered us. But I suppose when we're in there making noise, we've done okay. So besides, so law that we don't do it this time now when we actually really need the points. But um, yeah, I agree with George. Probably must not um, must not lose. You can't be giving them six points if they're a potential uh, relegation rival. So I think we'll be on it. We've got a few, like... Lopateggy themed and new player chants coming through, which will always help yeah. um to get people going. The Cunha one, I mean, I like it, it is a syllable sure. Just doesn't work, does um, it? Yeah. No, yeah. I think I mean even like Adama fits better. Like we've got players there with three syllables, lads, but I mean I'll go with it for now. It was actually
0: a me, talking ones but... listener that started that chant at uh, Villa Ad Sid away. I'm sure he'll be listening, but he was doing <laughs> it and then his dad was pointing at him when everyone started joining. So, <laughs> <yeah>. I, I <laughs> love the cause... chant. I I always yeah, wanted me too. That the arsenal awesome brilliant, chant, yeah. But, yeah. yeah.
2: Because it's like Just, a Cunha, it, like, I'm sure he played at left back for Argentina in the World Cup, but Cunha,
0: I think yeah, it's on Cunha. Cunha. Yeah, well, let's get <laughs> Cunha. yeah. That would I work Cunha. a lot there, yeah. <laughs> Um, But of course, we have got the BetMate pot as well. It's an interesting one this week. Mm. So uh, it is a free-to-join pot. So if you guys have listened to the podcast uh, and always wondered what BetMate is, it's probably the best time to get involved. I think it's possibly one of the first... Uh, free-to-play games that we've had this season. We're going up against uh, a West Ham channel called Hammers Chat. So, of course, we want a Wolves uh, fan to win that one. So, to join, it is the code TW hyphen H-C. So if you download the app using the link in the description, you click join a game and type that in TW. You've got to put in the hyphen and then obviously H-C It's free to join and you can win up to £100 worth of uh, free bets to use on the app as well. Let's look at the teams then. George will kick off with you. It's Wolves and West Ham players available. Who have you gone with?
2: So I've got a bit daring this week. Captain and a defender, but I think it's because he'll play further up the pitch and I hope he does get a start. If he doesn't, I'll be able to swap it five minutes before kickoff. So there you Gosh. go. Um, so I've gone with um, Jose Sarin goal, Aitnery as my skipper, uh, nice. Bueno, as well as the other defender. I've gone with Neves and Nunes because that seems to be what I always do with, with Wolves. Um, yeah. And then I've gone Jared Bowen and Huang Yi-Chan. Um, a little bit in terms of with my success on BetMate recently, it's, Actually picking strikers from the team that you don't, well, you're backing against winning, but actually picking a winger to get a lot of blocks and interceptions, And that's sort of where the points come in. So definitely would be my advice is pick a winger of a team you don't fancy as Mm. as your um, default player for the
0: other team. Finn, go on. It looks like you've got pretty wall strong as well, haven't you?
1: Yeah, you can tell that, like I'm saying, with good feelings around Wolves, my, other, my last team was full of Villa, and now, yeah, very, very Wolves. <laughs> I might change that based on uh, George's advice, but my, my West Ham player of choice is Paqueta, just because I saw that he's on pens now and, and does get stuck in a little bit, despite being a um, very flair player and a little bit further forward. So that was sort of taking my mind there, but I might change to, to, to George's tactic because he is absolutely smashing it. So I might change my Semedo <laughs> to 8 Nori as well, but for now, I've got Sarr, Bueno, and Semedo. Vice-Captain Nunez and then Paqueta. And then I've got Huang and Captain Cunha, which also may change if he doesn't start as well. But that is the beauty mm. that we've got a long time to uh, to change the team. But I think I might have a major reshuffle, but that's it for now. And I'll kick myself if that gets gets money or whatever. So, at least I've got video evidence of, of being a genius <laughs> if it does. <laughs>
0: yeah, I've gone with, again, Wolfstrong as well. It's amazing what a couple of mm. weeks does, lads, uh, to our thinking and team. <laughs> I've gone with Sar in goal. I've gone with Semedo and I've gone with Nori. Similar figure to you, George, that, you know, if he plays further forward... Uh, He got the chance there. Um, Pedence and Neves as my two uh, midfielders. Pedence if he's fit, I've gone with him as Vice and Neves as captain. I think, like I said, Pedence, there's something about him at the minute. Under Lopeteg, he's got that little bit of a spark, hasn't he? So, we've gone with him. And then Cunha as my attacker, but I like the Huang shout as well. Uh, And I have gone with uh, Skamaka as the striker. But um, well, I think Jared Bones probably the man that's going to get a bit more stuck in. So yeah, like George said, five, uh, up till two fifty-five PM to change your teams. Uh, the code is TW-HC. If you're signing up for the first time, if you use the link in our description and use the code TW10, you'll receive a ten pound uh, in free bets once you pa- play your first paid pot. And obviously, it's UK residents only. T- uh, 18 plus and please do Gambler aware, Lads, we'll finish off today with the questions. Thank you for those who sent their questions on uh, Twitter. We're running fairly uh, tight on time, but we'll uh, see uh, how we do. Bib, uh, who is obviously um, a contributor towards Talking Wolves. Uh, George, you've already answered this question as part of your thing, but who do you see is the better centre-back, Max Kilman or Nathan Collins?
2: Nathan Collins, all day. <laughs> uh I think... I think um, there's a bit of recency bias in that, but secondly, as well, like he, he came with a bit of a profile when he signed from Burnley. I I was an admirer from him from probably January last year, watching him. Uh, even though Burnley went down, I thought he was brilliant when he came in. Uh, Man United were tracking him. Um, I think he will go on, and well, I hope he stays at Wolves for a long, long time. I know there's still people who have got a few doubts in him, but for me, you know, he's 21. He's a centre half. They don't normally hit the prime till like the 30. Like He's going to make mistakes unless you're an absolute Rolls-Royce. Like You don't tend to beat for another nine years or so. And that Liverpool performance, I think he made like 21 interceptions or clearances. And, you know, he had a fantastic game. And I, I just think he's, you know, he for me, he's the better player. And I think, you know, from an international point of view standpoint as well, I know Ireland are absolutely gashed, but he'll probably go on and make, you know, get over 100 appearances for Ireland as well, 100 caps as well. But that's how good I think he is, or good bit.
1: Yeah. Finn, what, what about you? See, I'd, I'd agree I'd say Collins now, but I think, Dave, this might be this year's Trinkow. remember last year, the Trinkow debate, where one week we'd say sign him, the yeah, week after we'd yeah. say don't sign him. I think the Kilman-Collins, I think we should ask this every week and see how much I flip-flop, because I think it's been Kilman at some points this season, I'm now back to Collins. So I think, yeah, I've gone either way a lot this season, just like the yeah the Trincao to sign, not to sign. But at the moment, Collins has got the shirt, I think.
0: One of the questions I was going to ask earlier, um, this is from Juicy Fruity on Twitter. Do you feel, George, that we should stick to the 4-4-2 that we saw against Liverpool on Saturday? Yes. I think it's mm. quite
2: undervalued in terms of, you know, talk about 4-4-2 in, a, in, a, in an English or British football team. It's almost like look, people think it's just pump the ball forward, get it to the wingers, put the ball in the back of the net. And, it's it's different to that. I think it allows you to play, like I said, a little bit further up the pitch. I think Atletico Madrid have been fantastic at it for many years under Simeone. You sort of can play quite compact. You can sort of pack in and tuck in if you need to. And I think actually two strikers now is a bit of a, and it's still not two proper strikers. The the sort of like a, there's like a 10. ten and a nine in there, but almost pressing against two centre halves. It's a, it's almost you you're being a bit different now like, you know, defenders at the back at the moment playing against one centre-forward tend to just be able to play play out quite easily, but just something different. And I think it allows you to play a bit further up the pitch. It seems to have a bit more balance as well. And I feel like by doing that, you've got someone closer to your number nine and it probably means that you can't play Matinho as that 10, that high, because you don't think you get back into the midfield. So you sort of do lose the Matinho thing, but I think we've seen now that Neves and Nunes as a midfield two probably, oh, I'm hoping will be the future for Wolves coming forward for this season.
0: I hope so as well. And, and and like you said, with the two there, I think even against Liverpool, we saw one, having some more options up there. But two, I think like when Jimenez was pressing, they turn around and try and pass it back and almost Geddes is there or vice versa. Mm-hmm. You know, you're adding an extra forward player to press alongside your two wide players as well. And I think the flexibility, if you went with eight nori in that more advanced position. If you had to switch to a back five without any subs or whatever, I think if it is someone like Johnny at left back, you were allowed to do that because I think they can, he can slot into that sort of centre-half role almost. Even Adama can be a makeshift, you know, a wing-back. I wouldn't trust Sameda or Johnny to, to slot into a centre-back quite easily, but I think it gives you, you know, that flexibility a little bit more. Finn, what do you think about it? Obviously, you were at the ground. You would have seen it a lot more. Do you feel like Wolves... Possessed a little bit more going forward.
1: Hundred percent. Yeah, I was going to bring this up earlier, but I had a feeling we'd get questions about it. I think possibly being a bit reactionary. I don't know whether it worked well on on Liverpool because obviously you had you sort of nullified Trent and and Robertson because I mean robertson's scared of Adama every year anyway, but you had eight Nori also for Trent to worry about. So maybe it was just maybe it's a big team tactic that we go with. But I think that formation gets the best of. Every play, as we've said, Guedes is now in his position where he tore it up last year. You've got Eight Nori feeling a little bit more free. I, I think I said in our chat, didn't we? I want him uh, left wing back minimum, left wing maximum for this game. And then it, it turned out to be because you wanted to target Trent. You have got Adama with two people to aim for now, not just one, if he does manage to get a cross in. Um, and you've you've got those profiles. You've got Raul, Adama, uh, Raul, Costa, Cunha that can play that, the nine. You've got Huang, Guedes, Pedence that can play that. Striker slash like the shadow strike sort of thing, so it gets the best out of everyone for me. Really, I mean, you could debate whether the defense is more comfortable in a five, but by and large, I'm really, really happy with it.
0: Yeah, definitely. Someone um, this this was message to me privately from Andy Phillips. Um, he's disappointed. He said, "How the hell are Wolves losing out to Southampton in their supposed pursuit of young talent? Uh, mm. Young talents like Alcaraz feels like a repeat of Fernandez. So frustrating." Uh, this one's an interesting one because um, Alcaraz obviously was rumoured to be possibly going to Benfica as well when they were going to be losing Enzo Fernandez. But there was a really interesting comment. I think it was made by Pedro Sepulveda, I think in, in regards to his attitude issues. Now we've seen, especially more over the last 12, 18 months in regards to how Wolves are trying to get certain players, of certain profiles and not just as a footballer behind the scenes as well. And that's, most probably, if Wolves' pursuit was real, that is something I think they would have strongly considered. So I think it's not just about what they're about on, on, on the pitch as well, because I think for the fee that is set to go to Southampton for, it's affordable for Wolves. Um, but obviously, right now, you know, Lopetegui, we don't know, might have had a conversation with him behind the scenes. So I think that's the one. Any of you boys worried at the moment about lack of signings? I know, I mean, I've sort of bigged up drawed our sort of depth over the last sort of 10 20 minutes or so. But I, I suppose we still want a few faces, you know, more faces through the door and a lot of people still pulling Matt Hobbs up on his comments of that he will try and get one or two more through the door.
2: Yeah. It's just like what that what that question was there about supposed pursuit yeah. of him as yeah. well. Like we never no one ever said we we're after him. Um so you know may may not have been true. Uh, yes we want we want more new players in. 100%. I feel like actually sort of going to that four four two. it probably means you probably don't actually need another midfielder as much as you do if you're playing a three because yeah. you've got cover there. You've got Harge, Matinho and Boubacar, Troy when fit to almost play. You've got five going into two there. Um, yes, we do need more profile of player. Yes, we are still in a bit of a sticky situation, but I think with Lopetegui, you can tell he's after the right players. Like I've got so much confidence in Cunha's going to come good because... He was like literally got him before the window, 52 million quid, you know. That's well, it's a lot of money. I do for any club, let alone Wolves. Like, but he, you know, I think the club will back him. If goes, that's my man, I want him. I think the club will go out and go and get him. Like, I don't think money's gonna be out of the equation. I think foes mm-hmm. and the shit scared of going down, like they probably should be, mm-hmm. because their investment will literally plummet. So they're gonna have to double down. But I just think if you get in two or three. 30, 40 million quid players. And again, I'm not sure we'll spend that again on anyone, but I'd rather get quality over quantity. And you know, you're looking at Southampton, like I, I think with some of these players, like they've got Kaletta Carr who's been linked to the Premier League for three years. oraceic's been linked to the Premier League for like three, four years. It's like they're just in a position where they just need people because I think they're, they're really struggling. And, they and like really, do you think do you think Orisic or fucking Coletta Carr is a Nathan Jones signing? Like nah. no, like they're gonna come into the club and go and the same with this fucking this Argentinian, he's gonna look at Nathan Jones and go, What the fuck have you done? Like he managed Luton, <laughs> great. But like, you know, he will you got a ten percent win record at Stoke, like I just won't worry about who signing or all these other just worry about Wolves. Like if if you wants someone, he'll go out and get him, I'm pretty sure of it.
0: Mm, yeah, definitely. One player that has been spoken about this weekend, Finn, as well, after his eleventh goal of the season is Fabio Silva, GM dub says, is recalling Fabio Silva an option? If so, what do you think about it?
1: Definitely. Well, we do, well it's not an option in the contract. But We'd so have to buy him option. back. Yeah, it's yeah, not almost. an option if we yes. cough up enough money. Um, yeah. It's crazy that we're in a position where we have to buy back our own player um, for an extra six months. How we've even got into that, I'm not sure. But definitely an option. I mean, we all said 20 goals minimum, didn't we? If we're getting to the halfway point in the season and he's on 11, he's, 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 he's basically there. So... He's impressing. Um it's Probably if you... Uh, are you going to have two men, as I just named there? You've got sort of three players that can play that number nine role. If one goes out the door, then maybe look at it instead of risking a like a separate signing. I don't know. But definitely an option. It just depends how much. If you're going to have your pants pulled down on your own player to get in for another six months. And if he's developing well, then maybe not. But definitely an option if we're, if we're struggling. Mm,
0: yeah, he's doing okay. I mean, I've seen certain, you know, Anderlecht's haven't had a great season. They're sort of mm. 11th, I think, in the league right now. Lost again yesterday, despite his goal. Um, and I think he's just, it'll be interesting to see, because I think the one praise that Anderlecht fans have giving him is his work right off the ball at the minute, pressing and mm. so on. And I think with the way is sort of trying to play at the moment, it would be interesting to see. But I think Jord, probably best for him to stay out in Belgium, isn't mm. it, for the rest of the season at the minute?
2: I would say so, yeah. And I think it's one of those things, really. I think we all want new signings. We'd all like Fabio back because, you know, we haven't been putting the ball in the back of the net. But for me, again, I'm looking at it probably a little bit more in a pragmatic way than I, I probably would be, or other Wolves fans is, if we come 17th this season, or we come 12th, it's a it's a write-off of the season anyway. So, mm-hmm. you know, why, ruin, why, why call Fabio back six months early for him to sit on the bench and maybe come on, bit part player, potentially, like there's yeah. no, there's no value in that for anyone. So I think a short term striking option is probably the way to go for this season. Cause I do think that Raul probably, if he likes it or not, will be going by the sounds
0: mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. I'd be interested to see if that's in January or in, in the summer, but um, yeah, fingers crossed. We see some more transfer rumours over the next few days, lads, but that does bring an end to today's episode. Lots has been spoken about. I'm sure that we'll speak about a lot more as well next week with two massive games, Forest and West Ham coming up. Um, so as always, guys, thank you very much for joining me, George. If people wish to follow you and find you on the internet, where are you?
2: Yeah, so um, George was seven on Twitter and Instagram and uh we are on the linkedin as always as
0: well uh, i've had a few connections to be fair every time we shout it yeah, out there's been a few different couple of people yeah. finding me on facebook as well which is a bit strange but we'll, we'll move, it, <laughs> yeah, move uh, away from i'm that.
2: not uh, i'm not on facebook i got rid of that a long long time ago there's only so there's only so much it, literally there's only so many times i could load up facebook and look at people that i probably met once in Uni and a nightclub, and then they've got three kids in a push chair. Yeah, like, no, yeah. I, don't give a, I don't give a shit about it. like about I don't
0: <laughs> care. over The weekends. Who was it? So what I know of uh, was pregnant or something. I was there. I don't know. I can't actually remember if anyone in my year has had a kid yet. Yeah, there's a few mates that got married and stuff, but I think Facebook's a perfect thing for that, isn't it? Oh, flipping, you in room from we haven't seen for 15 years, just about to have a kid or whatever. You know, so. well, yeah, Finn, what about you? Yeah, vlogs are back, mate. So where where can people find them?
1: Yeah, well, if you want to see me shout corrupt um a hundred times into a camera, then Finners on YouTube, Fin uh, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I think my LinkedIn's Finley Morris. It's hard with our, I suppose, with our names and probably us as well. There's not too many of our names about other Dave, or I don't know if there's many George Russell's about others. So, like on Facebook, it's it's quite easy to find, isn't it? It's
0: yeah, uh, quite there, so. so i um, just change my picture to something really random so no one actually You know have to do like, like what
1: teachers do, you know, where they have to like change their name to like to David in different ways. Well, I was going to say
0: my yeah. middle name, but then uh, that wouldn't work, would it? So, uh, <laughs> um,
1: I actually had David, talk about like a,
2: <laughs> talking about that actually about 10, 11 years ago. I actually went to, I was in New Cross Hospital in A&E and they called my name and another chap stood up. He was, he was oh, literally had the same name as me in A&E. Like he was two years old, we had to go off date of birth. Like literally, they kept doing, and date of birth off. Yeah, mate, it's mad. Like weird, three hours. What the yeah. heck?
0: Yeah, yeah. Both of so, you just in the, the room together.
2: together. Yeah. And the, yeah, and the thing was, England, England were playing Albania in an international as well. So I was watching England in Albania with another George Russell waiting to get seen. That's mad, him,
0: isn't so. it? Yeah, they've got <laughs> the, the,
1: the George Russell about the micro penis, and you're both going. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, that's, oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, we're both the same pump, yeah. <laughs>
2: And you
0: can find me on Dave as a party on Twitter, uh, Instagram, and not Facebook, but LinkedIn if you want to. Um, and obviously talking Wolves everywhere for your latest Wolves news, transfer rumours, and all sorts as well. If you enjoyed today's podcast, if you're lis- uh, listening or watching on YouTube, be sure to hit a like and uh, subscribe. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please do leave us a review. And remember to join the BetMate game this week. The private pot, the code is TW-HC. And we're up against the Hammers Chat podcast, so fingers crossed we can get a win in that. And as always, guys, we will see you next week. Thanks for listening.